How you doing, Scott? <laughs> Not too bad. How about yourself? We're doing great. How about you, Donovan? Excited to be I'm here? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is, I feel like, uh, going to be a great conversation because terror in particular meant uh, it was a big, chart of, a big part of my musical experience as a kid. So mm. I'm really interested to talk to you and, and hear about what it is that you've got going in, on in your life now. Okay. Yeah. And especially growing up in Buffalo, Terror, Slugfest, Buried Alive, all these bands were huge to us. They, they made a major impact on us growing up. Uh, and you both live in L- LA now? He lives up in, uh, you want to tell him? He lives in the Bay. He lives in the Bay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm in, uh, I'm in Burbank in like LA. Oh, that's where I just moved from. Yeah. We met a few times so what- in the past year. I, I bought like a thing off of you, like a vinyl oh, shelf. Oh, yeah. You yeah. just came back from the airport. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah I was coming from Buffalo. Um, cool. Did you pick up any new hobbies you learned during quarantine? Um, hmm. I've been, I would grab it, but I have stuff on top of it. Um, I've been trying to read more. I've, I'm definitely not a reader. Yeah. But I've been forcing myself to like, turn the tv off and try to read i i probably last about a half hour a day um i'm the same but i'm not gonna say anything brand new but um with tourings as much as that we did in the past it would be very hard to get into a routine where i um i have some like neck and back issues mm-hmm. so not traveling and having more time every day it these are things i should do every day mm-hmm. maybe now i'm doing them five times a week where before i'd be doing them like two times a week mm-hmm. i should probably be doing five's good maybe seven would be great reading a little bit more um trying to meditate that's something that i i picked up oh wow i want to say maybe 15 years ago but these are all things that i i want to do for myself Mm-hmm. But with my schedule of touring so much, it's easy to let them fall to the wayside. Mm-hmm. So just kind of mastering the things that I've always wanted to. Brand new, hot, brand new things. Nope. <laughs> just old habits. <laughs> and I, I've really perfected watching TV. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I think as we all have. <laughs> All these things that I just talked about, all these good things. And, um, you know, I, I, I definitely have to uh, ride my bike or take a, take a long walk, usually with a podcast every day. That's like a has to happen. Mm-hmm. That happens six and a half days out of seven in a week. Um, nice. Excuse me. But, um, yeah, like totally brand new things like sewing or uh cooking new things and that that hasn't happened (laughs) has your uh, back gotten better over time i know you had like some extensive surgery on it it's really hard to say because even when i did the surgeries or i've done like crazy things like i've gone to mexico and got like um injections and things like stem cell injections and ozo injections things that they don't the FDA or whoever it hasn't been approved in the U S but I'm like, fuck it. I don't care. Let's go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing is I do these things, surgery. I, I, I had a surgery and I would really, it would take a lot for me to get the surgery. I don't think that was such a great move. Mm-hmm. Um, these things I do, but then I go right back out and tour for months and months and months at a time and yeah. sleep in fucked up places. And, and, uh, but, you know, go off on stage. So it's hard to gauge, like, it's not like the normal thing where a person has surgery and then does like physical therapy and rests. I'm like, let's do the surgery and get back on the road. But it's definitely kept me back on the road and able to do my thing. So it's hard to gauge for the way I uh, heal yeah. <laughs> or whatever. 
Uh, were there any good albums that came out in 2020 that you've been listening to? Sadly, with the uh, infiltration of podcasts, I don't find myself listening to too much music. Oh, wow. um, some of the stuff I do, a, a lot of the stuff I've been listening to is older, like um, post-hardcore stuff, like Sunny okay. Day Real Estate and Quicksand and okay. uh, Texas The Reason, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, newer stuff, I, I've um, like really mostly hip-hop. Um, Mm-hmm. Like there's the whole I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the Griselda, Griselda. West Side mm-hmm. Benny the like Butcher all, yeah yeah all that stuff was you know um, just being from Buffalo I kind of got put onto that early yeah and now there's like gone to like some stuff in Rochester yeah the cloth like uh, the singer of Mind Force put me onto some stuff in Rochester in Toronto so this whole area I moved back to Buffalo recently so this whole area Rochester Toronto buffalo has like so much cool uh stuff going on um trying to think like newer i i love dare the band from from orange county the straight oh they're sweet yeah yeah Yeah, i really like them um there's there's a lot of cool hardcore stuff but i'm thinking like albums yeah man so much podcast i'm like the new Dare records coming out in Revelation, I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. There's a band from Long Island called Rule Them All that's that I really like. They're kind of like melodic hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, the Code Orange is pretty good. Yeah, they, they've definitely like I loved that band when they first started. <laughs> when yeah. they were a lit, and they were never like traditional or normal, but they were more like normal because my brain, <laughs> yeah. you know. I'm into like Madball, Hatebreed, like more yeah. like straightforward. And now yeah. they're like, listen to them. To me, sounds like a fucking video. Sounds like game a car action. Like but yeah, I have I have a lot of respect for their grind and stuff. And I, I definitely consider those guys friends, but guys Absolutely. and Reba. But um, yeah, I can't listen to it. It sounds like fucking insane to me. So, I mean, if, if we were to look back a little bit and maybe on your earlier career, what were some of the musical influences that you had when you were coming up in the scene, what were the guys that you were like, man, I, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that band. Uh, I would go with Freddie Mad, Madball and Freddie as a front man. Um, you know, there, there's a lot. Like early on, when I first got into hardcore in Buffalo, the, the biggest local band or best, in my opinion, was Zero Tolerance. And their singer is Mark Belenka. And that's the first person that I really like when I would go to a show, when he'd walk into a room, I'd be like starstruck. Like, Oh my yeah. God, he's the fu- fucking coolest person in the world. Oh my, he's the best front man. So that was like the Buffalo. And that's like, that's like one where I could see him and almost envision myself. I would say I could never be as good as him, but if he could do it, maybe I could do it too. Um, and then there's a lot of them, but, but Freddie from Madball, like, his stage presence, his, uh, you know, he kind of has like a hip hop vibe to him and just like Madball's whole thing. Like, you know, depending on which day you catch me on, I could say Madball is my favorite hardcore band. A lot of times it's Warzone. There's yeah. another, a, a couple that could creep in there, but um, mm-hmm. Freddie and Mark and, you know, there, there's a lot. Roger from AF and I don't know, there's a lot. There's a yeah. lot of people that I, I look up to and, and kind of jock their style. That's awesome. So let's go through your history a little bit. I know in the early 90s, you played in the band Slugfest. Mid-90s was Despair. Late 90s was Buried Alive. And you didn't start Terror until 2002? Correct. This is all correct. I think you got it all. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> and uh, so let's go through that phone call you got. So you basically got a phone call. And you and your girlfriend moved from Chicago and Buffalo to move to California to start Terror, which wasn't even Terror yet until you got there. And you kind of form, uh, formulated the whole thing. You kind of biffed the story up. So I, <laughs> uh, I was moving out west to not do any any bands. I was like, oh okay. All my bands had broken up just kind of when we got a little momentum. <laughs> Slugfest, the drummer quit to be in Snapcase. That ruins uh, Slugfest. Uh, Despair, we put out a couple records, went to Europe twice, 
and uh, just got asked by Victory Records, who was like the, the, the biggest label at the time to do a seven inch. So I was like super psyched and then two members quit. So that was the end of that. And then Buried Alive started and we started definitely the most of those three bands was the most did the most and and mm-hmm. I want to say the biggest. I don't think we were a big band, but the mm-hmm. biggest out of those three. And right when we started getting momentum, um, this band I quit, but it was because I just felt like, you know, at a t- there was a time when I would say people in the band were changing too much, and and I don't I didn't think they cared about hardcore anymore. Mm-hmm. But I've since you know talked to them with clear like 20 years later recently not recently but semi-recently with a you know open dialogue and got their side of it so I don't want to say that anymore but at the time that's the reason why I thought the band was changing too much so I quit the band and I was just like kind of in this mind state of like you're done fuck every band I'm in I put so much into and it breaks up yeah so I was moving out west to like you know figure my life out I have no idea what I was going to do but I didn't want to do a band. And then I got this phone call. I had, I had gotten a cassette, uh, like a dub cassette from my friend, Larry, who also is from Buffalo. He used to sing in a band called Envy. Okay. And he had moved out to, to the West coast and I had stayed at his house kind of figuring out where in California I was going to live. And, uh, he gave me this tape and one side was no warning, which is, uh, a band from Toronto who, uh coincidentally now jordan their guitarist at the time is in terror but this was back 20 20 years ago yeah and i had known who they were i had seen them play and i had uh heard their demo but this was their seven inch and it was really fucking good but more to terror more to terror starting on the other side was a band named carry on from um they're from like ventura area mm-hmm. and um they had a, a new record out called a life less plagued and i had never i'd never even heard the name carry on before and i heard this right re- and my friend larry was like i think you're gonna really like this and i listened to those two records all the time and i was like this was kind of in the era of there was like american nightmare who was a pretty big band and they were like close to traditional hardcore but they were very artsy at the same time but then there was the whole scene of like 18 visions, throw down, mm-hmm. bleeding through every time I die. Like there was this whole <laughs> different kind of movement going on, yeah. which I don't, I don't want to shit on, but that wasn't like really my hardcore. Yeah. And um, when I heard these two bands, I got really psyched. And then I got a phone call and it was like, do you want to be a uh, carry on singer? They were a straight edge band. He sold out straight edge. So they kind of broke up abruptly mm-hmm. and the drummer and guitarist were starting a new band. They heard I was moving out West. They asked me to, you know, be in, be in the band or try out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to be in a band, but this record's so good. So yeah, we got together and it's fucking 5,000 hundred million shows later. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that actually raises a really good question because I know you're talking about just how, and I hear it from other artists too, how volatile uh, music, the music industry is and how volatile forming a group is because, you know, people who are members of a, of a, a team that is a band, they have different aspirations. They want to do different things. Maybe they kind of fall out of line with each other. How did you find your through line as an artist? How did you, you know, know to keep, you know, your ability as a singer intact through that time of having everybody else maybe want, you know, having their own opinion. Um, I think I, I kind of, I kind of followed more of my heart and my crazy brain. It was never my, my vocals. Cause all I can really do is scream and jump around on stage <laughs> like a, like a stupid idiot. So to me, it's, it's I've always led with my what I perceive as my convictions what what's important to me um you know luckily now I've been able to make a living off terror and not work another job but at that time there was it was you know there was money to pay like my little bit of rent and pay for my shitty little car at the time but 
it was never really guided by that. It was all about what I thought was wrong and what's right. Yeah. And that ultimately looking back on it led to a lot of these people quitting the band. Cause I was very like what I would call like a band Nazi, like my way or no way. And I'm right and do it this way. And I don't want to hear your opinion. And you got to wonder why I was in all these bands that when they started getting some momentum, people were quitting because I was like a crazy asshole. So I was leading or going with what I thought was right. But just thinking you're right and, and making sure that's like the end all be all and not letting other people have their say is not always going to be the uh, diplomatic way, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um. I've had Keepers on the Faith on display ever since the 10th anniversary. How'd you like doing that meetup at Gorilla Mall in California to celebrate arguably uh, Tara's hottest record? That was really cool. I mean, um, it's a shame that, um, you know, we've, we've, I mean, we have like eight, eight albums out now and we've, we've never been a band to like um, do like a tour of playing just one of our old records or mm. anything like that. Um, we did once our first records called lowest of the low and our good friend court. What was this? Mm, I think if I I could be totally wrong here, but our good friends band internal affairs played their last show at the chain reaction in Anaheim. And mm -hmm. I think he specifically asked us to play our first record in order. That's the only time we've ever done that. You know, mm -hmm. we've never done these tours or anything like that, which a lot of bands do, which is cool. Which we, we've just always kind of been of the mindset that, like, we want to play everything, not just do it one all. thing. Yeah. But with Keepers of the Faith, we, we were considering doing that because it was such, like, a... I don't want to make it more than it was, but it really was this, like, really powerful movement within hardcore and was kind of like an epic time for the band. So if we were ever going to do that, it would have been with this record but mm -hmm. due to obviously you know everything going on in the world we couldn't so mm -hmm. the only thing we could come up with and we're like um to to do like a a pop-up merch thing where we made some limited uh merch mm -hmm. we made some cassettes we had a test press um stuff like that mm -hmm. and um it was really it, it was really fun it was cool to um see the people in terror because Jordan, Jordan, our guitarist lives in Toronto, the guy from no warning, mm -hmm. uh, Chris, our bass player lives in Maine. So, uh, okay. we have, we've kept pretty active doing some recording, some covers and some stuff like that with me, Nick and Martin, we did that garage podcast mm -hmm. and that was all me, Nick and Martin. Cause the, the two other guys weren't around. So they came out for that. And then we also did the live stream around keepers of the faith. So it was really cool. Uh, it was a little bittersweet because there could have been a lot more around that record, but it, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's really no point in complaining. We did what we could and it, and it came out really cool. And um, the live stream was fantastic. Show, yeah. A lot of people showed up for, for the, um, the gorilla mall thing, which was like really cool. Like I don't, we didn't count people, but it was like, you know, a cool line of people. So that made yeah. me, I, I didn't really know what, what to think with setting up some merch at a hamburger fucking joint and see if people <laughs> come and it, it, it turned out pretty cool. Um, oh, uh, oh, sorry, Kellen. Go no, ahead. no, you, you, you go, you go, you go. <laughs> so I was just going to say uh, one of the most, uh, I would say impactful albums that I can remember uh, as a kid was probably one with the underdogs just because um, really before I was introduced to that album by a friend of mine, I was only ever allowed to listen to conservative Christian music. And so that's a I big leap. <laughs> I hear that a lot from people. Oh, really? All right. So, I mean, uh, when I was introduced to uh, hardcore through that album, actually, um, I became obsessed with it, mainly because it seemed so incredibly positive to me. Uh, but my parents didn't understand that, obviously. Um, they want all the music and lyrics to be about Jesus. So um, <laughs> when I finally heard uh, Hardcore for the first time, it resonated with me on a really deep level. Did you have 
an idea of the people who are listening to your music at that time? Did you have like an idea of who your fans were and who that music would impact? Or was it just, I'm putting this out, this is how I feel, that's it? Um, I got a question for you. So yeah. are you saying Terror and One with the Underdogs was the first hardcore you heard? Or were you, were you into like the Christian hardcore scene before that? I was into, okay, so I was into the Christian hardcore scene before that, <laughs> okay. um, like some Under Oath and like Norma Jean and stuff like that, which, you know, I'll still put on from time to time, but I wasn't, uh, it, it, it took me, I still had to hide that stuff from my parents because they wouldn't even right. let me listen to that, so. Right, yeah. okay, so I guess when Terror started, started playing, um, we were a straight up hardcore band we were on Bridge Nine Records. We all had sh shaved heads. We all wore mad ball shirts or, or floor punch shirts or whatever. And that kind of puts you in a hardcore is so many subdivisions now, but let, what I would call like the traditional hardcore thing. But early on in our career, we got lots of opportunities. Throwdown took us on tour. 18 Visions took us on tour. I think on that 18 Visions tour, I think Under Oath was on that tour. Um, at the same time, Blood for Blood took us on tour. Death Threat took us on tour. Um, Every Time I Die took us on tour. So we, we had this really big opportunity to be who we were and play. It never changed our music but we got exposed to a lot. And I think there was a lot playing into it. I was from the East Coast. These guys were from the West Coast. I was a little bit older. They were a little bit younger. Um, so we kind of had connections to all sorts of different people things. Yeah, so uh, to answer your question, I don't think we ever really thought about it too much. We were always just going to be terror but it was really, really cool to have the opportunity to play to all sorts of people. Um, a funny story that comes to my head when you say that, um, trying to think of how I can say this in the most <laughs> non-offensive way to anyone. So I remember we were playing at the auto bar and it was with Every Time I Die and I think it was Throwdown and um, Terror. And there was a distinct look of people. If someone came to the show, you could see if they were there to see terror mm -hmm. or you could see if they were there to maybe see every time I die. Oh, yeah. And at, I remember sitting uh, at the bar with Andy, just, you know, he doesn't drink, but we were just sitting at the bar at the, at the place called the auto bar in uh, Baltimore. And this kid was like walking by us and he, he had the typical like, every time I die, I look like hair and like tighter clothes and maybe like all black clothes. And I made a comment to Andy Williams, like, uh, Oh God, this guy's probably your biggest fan or something like that. <laughs> and he walked right up to me, didn't even like address Andy and was like, you guys are my favorite band. I can't wait to see you guys tonight. <laughs> and this, this was like a eye opening moment for me to like that terror was lucky enough. Yeah. And of course, that made me feel like a duck dick because I was like prejudging him and like <laughs> putting terror into a box that only certain people listen to us. And this was a real eye-opening experience that we have this opportunity to play to all sorts of people. We should take advantage of it and make sure that everyone feels welcome at a terror show because the traditional hardcore scene and myself can be pretty close-minded like I just showed yeah. And if we if we kept that way, we're just gonna shoot ourselves in the foot. So yeah. that's kind of a story that came to mind when you asked me that. Andy's no, awesome. a major. Thank you for sharing. Andy's a major wrestler now. You see, I'm on uh, yeah. AEW. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's insane. Um, okay, so yeah, so my parents had the same issue with you know telling me to turn off music like Terror and bands like that because they just think it's angry Satan music, and. I just want to put that out there that this is like positive music with anger behind it. You know, it's not, it's not negative really in any way. It's, it's more like positive, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's negative in like certain aspects, but not in like, you know, that aspect. 
I feel like our first record, lowest of the low, is straight anger. Yes. Just straight pissed off. I mean, there's a couple like like push it away. And total retaliation. Always a, yeah, there's always a slight tinge of positivity. Mm-hmm. But like the first record was like 90% angry. Mm-hmm. And then when we went to One with the Underdogs, it was like maybe 50-50. And there's a, yeah. like the song One with the Underdogs, a lot of it's like, this world's hard. This world's gonna try to eat you alive. Mm-hmm. But if you if you stay the course and and stay yourself and surround yourself with good people, maybe you'll have a chance to get through it. A lot of stuff like that. And I feel like um, a lot of the stuff that terror stuff that people connect to is like one with the underdogs. Always the hard way. Return to strength. Keepers of the faith. Stick tight. So it's like these more positive things. Our latest record from like a year or two ago, which is called Total Retaliation, mm-hmm. it's just there was so much shitty stuff going on in the world. And mm-hmm. like now it's even fucking way crazier. Mm-hmm. But at the time, there was so much shitty stuff going on in the world, it was hard to be positive. And we're now currently writing a brand, brand new record. Mm-hmm. And I'm making a conscious choice to not let my brain go into fuck everyone. This world's a piece of shit. Hum- mm-hmm. Human beings are the worst things in the world. We're ruining everyone. We hate each other. I don't want to go down that because we kind of did that last record. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have to direct the lyric. There'll be, you know, the 50, 50 thing, but I want to keep it more, positive because i think that's what i need and i think that's what people need to hear right now yeah uh do you have trouble do you have trouble keeping your lyrics from getting repetitive do you find yourself getting writer's block ever yes Mm -hmm. it's very hard and um uh again no warning um their singer's name is ben cook who uh starting with the 25th hour so the last two records and hopefully on this record has mm-hmm. really helped me even write some straight up some of the lyrics. Like mm-hmm. it's just like I've written just with terror alone, excuse me, so many songs. And then all the bands we talked about before, and then I do current things. So like I've changed and I've grown and I'm somewhat different, but I'm somewhat the same too. And my brain only thinks what it can think. So it does get hard to come up with f- even just fresh words like once you do a song like keepers of the faith you really like i mean you can but i really don't want to use the word faith in any of our songs again because it's already been done yeah and then even on top of that there's everyone else in the world is writing songs so if you think of something cool someone's already probably like a a cool play on words or things that rhyme the two words you put together and you're like i got a cool song title you're like oh fuck that band already used it so it yeah it's definitely hard but um, just got to make it fucking happen. It'll come. <laughs> <laughs> so you've toured endlessly and tirelessly for a very long time, sometimes as long as nine months out of the year. How hard is that lifestyle to get used to? It's fucking brutal, man. I mean, when I was a, a little bit younger, when Tara first started, like with, with uh, Slugfest never toured, despair mm-hmm. toward a little bit we went to europe twice okay. and we probably you know we came out to the west coast once with Haybreed mm-hmm. and did a couple of tours and then buried alive toured a little bit more but nothing like terror but when terror started it, it was just like like i said all these bands were asking us to go out so it was just like go 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 yeah, it was and we like yeah and we just do the craziest things like we're in LA. Hey, uh, do you want to tour with this band? It starts in Philadelphia. Sure. You start the tour driving 48 hours, paying for all your own gas, you know, a thousand dollars to get there. And you, you know, a band like us at the time were getting paid hardly anything. Yeah. So it was just like, you really just had to be a fucking lunatic and really just <laughs> want to do the band. Because yeah. if any sane person would slap you in the face and saying, this you're not going to get no sleep you're going to eat shitty food you're going to fuck your brain up you're going to fuck your body up yeah. you're going to lose money you're going to live in a van you're going to hate each other you're going to get sick because everyone's going to cough on you <laughs> all the things a, a sane per you 
you're going to live out of a suitcase. You're going to not shower half the time. <laughs> you're going to be on an airplane flying to Europe all the time for 13 hours. It's like, it's so crazy. But I mean, all that aside, I haven't worked for anyone in 19 years. Uh, I've gotten to travel the world. I've met so many people. We've made great music. We make lyrics that both of you have said like mm -hmm. impacted you. Absolutely. So there is a huge reward, but it is, it's fucking insane. I don't know. Even like I'm 47 now. So last yeah. year I was 46. I would be sitting in the terror van. Like luckily in Europe, we get a bus now because we, we we're a little bit bigger of a band in Europe, mm -hmm. but in the U S we're still in a van. So I'm just like, sitting staring at the back of someone's head for eight hours a day just like listening to music trying to take a nap stopping at a gas station and just eating some fucking almonds or taco bell or whatever yeah. the fuck they have mm -hmm. it's just it's a hard lifestyle mm -hmm. uh back then, yeah you go oh, you go next actually you're oh, next. you want me to go okay, yeah cool you go. <laughs> um i was kind of curious if you had a guilty pleasure artist not that I mean, you can take guilty pleasure kind of different ways, but is there someone that you listen to that you think most people would be like, what, Scott listens to that band or that yeah. artist? I got two. You want the, the semi-acceptable one or the one that's really going to get me made fun of? Broken side. <laughs> well, I'm not going to make fun of you because I listen to embarrassing music too. So We all do. We'll go, we'll, we'll go not so embarrassing to... So I really like Coldplay, which I think is an acceptable answer. Oh, but just yeah. like Toby. I don't know. If, yes. Um, amazing. Amazing lyrics. Amazing music. Amazing. Now, this next band, I don't know why. I don't know how. And it's only a I don't really know their songs. I just know a couple of the, like, really bad radio hits. But that band Stained. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, their, their epic ballads. Yes. Like, I'm like, kind of like this and like maybe like 15 years ago uh me and martine from terror and a couple of people were driving to actually to, to las vegas to see um every time i die and trapped under ice we're on a tour together and we just went to go to the show and i think martine set me up he put like stained on the radio and then when i started like getting into it he like filmed me and put me on instagram stories or whatever and i was oh, like no. <laughs> Not a good look, man. Not a good look. <laughs> and that um, kind of plays back into uh, the audience, too, because I know you said you were talking about, you know, a, there's a certain image maybe of the people that attend your shows and things like that. So, I mean, it seems strange to me, though, because music is such an emotional thing and it can be so, um, it can just be very different in how it hits you. Um, different sounds are going to hit you at different times. The the way that you're feeling that day can change if you like a song or not. So, I mean, I don't necessarily know why people make such a big deal out of, oh, you know, Scott, for instance, he listens to Stained, you know, and did you ever see that as, did you ever see that as a, a, a toxic aspect of your fan base that like, you know, they, for some reason, wouldn't accept you for listening to a certain artist? I think all subcultures, whether it's like hardcore, punk emo like what i would consider like the real underground emo scene real hip-hop see i'm even being elitist doing it right now by saying real <laughs> but i think they're all very judgmental and elitist and want to keep it pure and it's mine and you don't know enough about it and i'm the exact same way so yeah. i think it's detrimental and I think it's immature and I think it's closed-minded, but I'll, I'll do it right now. It's so <laughs> it's just how it is. Like, I just like, you know, people like will say, Oh, you should check out this new hardcore band. And in my head, I'm like, they're not a fucking hardcore band, but like, who the fuck am I to say that? <laughs> like, and I don't even know the people I don't, I haven't even heard of them, but yeah, I just think like music is, so important to people some people like i'll still meet people yeah. and i'll be like what do you listen to and they'll be like whatever's on the radio and i'm like oh my god my whole life has been this and which 
that's great. They're probably like have way more time to stress about other things and not be so judgmental because music, but for some people it's so important and impactful that I think they just like are so they, they guard it and they want it to stay what they thought it was. And that, that's not rational thinking, but it's, it's how it is. What are your thoughts on like turnstile and expire and all those newer bands? more like mine players definitely has expired they're, I don't they're think gone now yeah for a while yeah they're um, gone now a lot of the stuff i see now like i'll just name a bunch of hand, like uh turnstile code mm-hmm. orange knock loose jesus yeah. peace year of the knife these are all bands that i consider people in these bands my friends okay um a lot of these bands will tell me you know that th- terror has meant a lot to them and influenced them yeah Uh, a lot of these bands we tour with and a -hmm. a lot of these bands are at this point bigger than terror so they take us on tour which i have no problem with that i don't i don't have an ego like if we're gonna get to play to new kids younger kids different kids yeah do it bigger shows different shows i'm all for it um but these aren't bands that i so much connect with like i did when i was younger where i'll put on gorilla biscuits or you know i'm going to extreme like gorilla biscuits all the way to like sheer terror totally different bands musically but there was something about those bands and maybe it was more about me that i was younger and i needed it and i i needed to find the lyrics i needed to find who i was Mm -hmm. so these bands a lot of these bands when i see them live like turnstile and stuff they're they're electric and they have it and they have the energy and they the crowd has it and I totally feel that and I vibe with it, but these aren't bands that I go to and listen to. And I get that same feeling. I see. Um, and I think that's more me than them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, a lot of these bands blow me away live. And I think a lot of these bands too, where I said earlier, when you brought up code orange, I said, you know, I'm just straightforward. I want hate breed. I want mad ball. Yeah. Um, I think they are a little bit different. They want to, uh, push the boundaries and that's Mm. totally cool like that that's not me Mm -hmm. but i'm all for it like do your thing and and open the floodgates up and and see where you can go with that i think when i was younger you know there was when i first got into hardcore there was all that stuff like uh, gorilla biscuits youth of today agnostic front sick of it all and they were all kind of in a box and then like in the early 90s things came along like quicksand burn super touch that kind of opened everything up and let you kind of be more uh, experimental. And I think Mm -hmm. those bands are doing it now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. And I've also seen you on two tours, both at town ballroom in Buffalo, but that were no, really no (laughs) hardcore bands besides yours. And it was, one was the story so far back in 2015. And then in 2013, you did the all-stars tour with like Chelsea grin and bands like that. Oh shit. So, how weird was that? Like, was that way out of your element playing to those shows? Or were you still happy to play to new fans? Like regardless. Um, let's take them both differently. Cause they're both different tours to me. Okay. So the, the all-stars tour, we were doing a lot of stuff like that at the time we toured with a mirror at the time. Okay. Um, we toured with like a, a tour called sounds of the underground, which was like Guar and lamb of God and behemoth. And like, okay. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways I could answer this because it's great to get in front of a different audience and um, you know, playing to a room full of people that know terror and love terror. It's a great because, you know, they all sing along and they, they, they go off, but there's also, if you keep doing that over and over again, you're just going to burn yourself out. You're going to burn them out. You're going to burn yourself out. So we've always taken the approach to do like wild tours like that. What you're saying, totally outside the box. And we'd see the return of people coming to our shows, looking like a more of a traditional hardcore kid and saying, I saw you on the all-stars tour. You wouldn't have believed what I looked like then. I was totally different. (laughs) And you guys, totally changed my you know got me into a totally different world so that's a really cool thing um and i'm not saying we're out there trying to like brainwash people come with us we're more important but sometimes people have just never seen 
a straight up hardcore band. And when they do, they're like, this is what I was waiting for. Mm. On the other hand, there's some people that are really into Chelsea Grin. And when they see a straight up hardcore band, they're like, who the fuck are these jocks that think they're <laughs> tough? I, I don't want to have anything to do with it. So um, we were very open to doing those tours. And we, you know, we still definitely do. Um, but there was a point, um, I want to say maybe around five years ago where we kind of talked as a band and said, we're more happy touring a little bit less and also just touring with bands. I don't want to say that we don't like, but touring with bands that we're more friends with. And we, we just decided to keep it more like closer mm -hmm. to our circle of okay. like what we're about and it's worked good for us. And, um, you know, like we went out with stick to your guns and counterparts like a year ago or like, I don't know, sometime last year. Okay. So we're still like in that world. And if there are certain bands, if they asked us and the time was right, we would, you know, consider doing it. Mm -hmm. But we also have kind of like stopped asking to be on tours like that and turning down tours like that and just kind of kept it more in our world. And it's just, you know, we did that for a while and I liked it, but at this point we kind of just want to stay in our little bubble. I don't know if that's <laughs> the right term, but. No, that's cool. So, uh, did you have any fun warp tour memories? I know having to play with like a barricade must've been a buzzkill, but was that a fun tour for you personally? Um, I would ne I would never do that again. If it, if it was yeah. happening, I'm glad we did it mm -hmm. and I wouldn't take it back. Um, and we did it in a way that was really good for us. Like we shared a bus with every time I die. Mm, or some cool. great people we we had it like in a really good way we had a, a sound man and a tour manager and all these things that we usually don't have mm -hmm. and a lot of this is thanks to every time i die they were really open to working with us to making it work where we got like a because they were getting paid more than us and mm -hmm. and stuff like that so they they were really helpful to us but it's so fucking long man it was like seven weeks yeah and it's you're it's a grind i'm not like i'm not like a beach guy i'm not like a heat guy yeah. i'm not like a be in the sun guy and it was like every day you wake up nine o'clock and you're in some field in the middle of summer and you're there till 11 o'clock at night yeah. and it was just really hard grind so i'm glad we did it you know that game cornhole yeah oh i love cornhole so that introduced to me again by andy williams that's all i did for seven weeks i played i did the tariff set and I played that game all day and all night. And that's really what kept me sane, but it's just too long. And, and it's just too, I'm not really social enough either. I, I like my space and I like to be like closed away mm -hmm. and you can't hide there. You're like, even like we had a bus, but there's so many people on the bus. Like you go to hide in your bus from the fucking hundred other bands. And there's just bound to be like 20 people on the bus. And you're just like, dude, get me away from it yeah no it's tough so as an artist i'm curious because uh kellen i'm gonna ask one more question and then you can take it from there because i don't want to take up the rest of the time but is there uh as a musician is there a venue uh and a song that you would prefer to play live like you know is there a, a size of the audience that you prefer is there a song that you think works best with that size of audience uh what do you got Okay, so a specific actual venue, or do you, are you asking if I like a huge venue versus a small venue? It, it can be either. It can be either, whatever you've got. Um, I would say terror songs that really pop off the most is Stick Tights, number one. Mm -hmm. One with the underdog, one with the underdogs is always really good. Um, overcomes good. Nah, you like that? I love it. I'll, I'll kick that off the set list if I can. That's one Jordan always wants on the set list. Um, the 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 first song off the new record, "This World That uh, This World Never Wanted Me," does really good. Um, so there are some really strong ones, but "Stick Tight" is always like the the biggest one. Usually, it's weird too. Like in Europe, the the song "Always the Hard Way" and "Return to Strength" do really good over there. 
when we play them over in the U.S., they it's weird. It's it's like in that now I'm starting to think there's certain songs in Australia that do really good. So it's like we have so much, but it's we have so many records out. It's impossible. Yeah. To get, give like one person everything they want to hear. Um, now, for the size of the venue, I'm always gonna be. Even at this age, I still want the dirty, small, in-your-face, packed, (laughs) 150-cap, tiny little venue. But I am not scared or I do not accept the challenge to go up on a festival with 20,000 people, barricade security. And if I look out and I can see in those people's eyes, they're excited to see us, I know that terror can create it's not the exact same energy but we can come pretty close to creating the positive chaos in that same club and i think that's that's one of the things i really respect about terror and keeps us going because we get these like we get these opportunities to play these huge festivals like um i was thinking before when you asked me about doing those other types of tours about a year or two ago, um, a day to remember does those festivals called uh, self help. Yes, and we played it in Cal uh, in the L.A. area like a year or two ago, and that in my head I was kind of like, we haven't done anything like this in a while. Uh, how are we going to go over to this crowd because we're not really in this world anymore? And it was, and it was like what I was just describing: huge crowd, huge stage, huge barricade, bouncers everywhere. And it was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And I doubted, I, I didn't doubt us, but I doubted the reaction. So there is something to be said. And I really respect that Tara will do one of these self-help things. And we'll see that we can do that. And oh, wow, we can rock a big stage. But the next day, put us in someone's fucking basement. And we'll, we'll do that. No questions asked. We'll set our shit up and we'll play the same exact way we did down there. So it's kind of a balance. And I think it's cool that like, you know, I'm sure there's some bands that the people in the band would be like, one way or another, like, we're too DIY to do this big thing, or we're too fucking great of a band to do this little thing, and to each their own, but I think it's kind of cool that we can do either and just be comfortable with ourselves. That's awesome. How would you compare the East Coast and West Coast scenes? Do you prefer one to the other? I personally love the vibe at shows in Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, Erie. Um, and I feel like less people are on their phones on those shows. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely not going to dog out the West Coast because Terror has had a great time all the way from, let's mm-hmm. say, Tijuana yeah. up to Vancouver. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I don't... I think with the internet and how much people can communicate, I don't think there's so, too much of a difference anymore. People okay. dress the same, people dance the same, people like a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. And uh, I just don't think there's really that big of a I mean, sure, when you, when you go to, from New York City to a show in Omaha, Nebraska, there is a bit of a difference, but there's still a lot of similarities. Like, you know, I think it's, and, and even getting out of the U.S. worldwide, you know, like, I think it's so easy now to, like, put on YouTube and see, oops, what people do now or what people are into. I, I think it's pretty, I don't have a big distinction. And there's this misconceived notion that everyone in punk and hardcore is straight edge and everyone's <laughs> vegan. But I know you're not personally. Uh, what do you think about the people that complain about musicians that don't follow suit to what they think the scene is about? Well, I would hope that all of this is about being yourself, whether that means um, cutting your hair, growing your hair, anything you want to do, as long as it's not hurting other people or offensive. To, I mean, you can be offensive, but if you're not crossing some, some ugly lines, I think mm-hmm. it's all about being yourself. So if someone wants to drink a bottle of fucking Jack Daniels every day for the rest of their lives, as long as they're not getting in a car and smashing it into an innocent person, that's, that's their fucking choice. And if Mm -hmm. someone wants to be the straightest, cleanest motherfucker in the world, that's their choice too. So I would hope that this is about making your own personal choices. Good answer. 
Uh, what's some of your most major hits you've taken at shows on stage during terror <laughs> or, or in the pit? Like injuries, right? Like just getting fucked up like at, at a show. Yeah. Um, I broke my ribs once uh, stage diving to the band First Blood playing a Marauder cover, I think. Okay. If I got that story correct. Uh, I broke my wrist once moshing to no turning back in ventura they're a band from uh the netherlands uh i broke my ribs in new zealand once like i was on stage singing yeah and on the stage there was these little um like a a, a wood shelf where people would put their drinks yeah. so it was like kind of this level and the crowd like kind of rushed me to sing along and smashed me my ribs into this wooden thing and it broke my ribs that sucked because i had a tour with broken ribs that wasn't fun um what else oh well we had an incident at the the, i got my head i don't want to go into it because it's (laughs) and it involves the police and stuff but i got my my head split open once on the first day of a west coast tour and i had to get like five four or five staples in my head i still feel the weird scar from that so touring with staples in my head and this was like early terror where I was like still an going animal nuts. and like, yeah. Yeah. And, and like people would just like, you know, grab my head and I'm like, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> um, what else? There's a, I don't know. It's, it's also oh. stupid. Did you like LA when you first moved there or, or did it take time to adjust to the lifestyle there? Are we talking the city or the hardcore scene? Just move into the city. Um, yeah, I think I was really young and like like excited to not be in Buffalo because I you know I lived in Buffalo for like twenty nine years so yeah uh, it's so beautiful and there's so many cool things about LA but I, I do remember learning just how real like LA traffic was like trying to get. 10 miles and it would take like an hour to coming from Buffalo was just like Mm -hmm. mind-blowing like how is this happening Mm -hmm. and then you just learn to deal with it like you learn to like (laughs) only drive certain places at certain times or know you're going to be in traffic or know if you go to Whole Foods there's going to be a fucking lot of people there or know (laughs) if you go to a fucking LA Kings game there's going to be a million people there and you just start to deal with that and then recently over the last like 10 years it's uh, like five years it started to really eat away at me mm-hmm. where I was like I don't want to be here anymore and now that I moved back to L- uh, Buffalo <clears throat> it's kind of crazy because I'm always like go go like I'm still in the LA like why are these people driving so slow what why is this person yeah. not like getting out of my way and i'm just like dude you ha- you're a fucking la psycho you need exactly. to like you you got out of la to not deal with this and now these people are a little more casual and laid back and you want <laughs> them to go faster you're bringing your garbage to them so i'm like i'm always like driving like why is this person going so slow why like, <laughs> fucking relax i feel the exact same way every time i'm in buffalo and there's traffic i lose my mind but when i'm here i'm just used to it yeah. <laughs> um, I heard that you once drove a taxi cab. What was that like? <laughs> uh, that was when I first uh, lived on my own. I lived in Kenmore, not far from where I am now. Oh, perfect. Um, with, with a kid I went to high school with and his older brother. And um, yeah, I, I did like, you know, I've washed dishes at a country club before that, made pizza. Oh, the most boring job I ever had was I worked at like a toy store, like a, <laughs> like a uh, Toys R Us, I think it was called. And my job was literally to walk around, like when someone would pick up a toy and look at it and put it back, I would walk around and like straighten toys. <laughs> it, was, it was like so boring. Like I would look at my watch and it would be like an hour had gone by and I would be like, dude, I have seven more hours of this. But yeah, I, I don't know, remember too much about it, but um, I don't know how it happened, but I just got a job driving a cab and it was 
kind of normal sometimes, kind of crazy sometimes. It yeah. Depended on what hour of the day and what neighborhood I was in. And Did you ever have to kick anybody doing. out? I had someone puke in my cab before. Um, I actually, I actually backing out of someone's driveway, hit a car and took off and got oh, like, I had to go to court over it. And like that, that was me being a dick. You know, I hit someone's car and got all shook and just drove away. But someone must've got my play or whatever they called uh, yeah. this cat. They, they figured out who I was and I had to go to court. Mm. And the, the, the person whose car I hit was suing me as well as the cab company and the cab company didn't show up. And they also, the car had no insurance. So they like, were like you, you're good. Since you showed up, you're out. We're going to, we're going to go after the cab company. So it would be like weird. You knew people were like getting drugs. They'd be like, okay, here's a $50 bill. Just sit here. Do not leave. No matter what happens, do not leave. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to leave, but what the <laughs> fuck are you getting me into here? So yeah, right. it's like weird, weird shit like that. I used to work at Lexus on Sheridan drive. I actually did the same thing. I was in a loaner vehicle and I backed into somebody oh. else's car. I didn't say a damn word about it. Cause it was there was no damage, but I mean, it, was, it shook the whole thing. It was pretty crazy. Ugh. Um, so I got that one. Uh, weirdest fan encounters. Got any crazy stories? <laughs> ever been stalked anything weird you've made some weird people on on instagram direct messenger direct yeah. message whatever it's called um i don't want to put people out there too much well, there's a lot of a lot of requests for nudes on instagram <laughs> <laughs> god i hope not but just like people like <laughs> Uh, I love your band. Can you, can you like call my friend and tell him hi? And I'm like, it's just so like weird. Like I, I don't want to say no to people, but it's like, do you know how uncomfortable it is? Be like, Hey, I'm Scott. What's going on to some random. You don't even know if the person getting the phone call wants this phone. It's just, just weird stuff like that. Or like, making the, uh, an, another one and i i really hate to like shit on people but we get asked a lot like <laughs> this is gonna sound i'm sorry to anyone that <laughs> this offends but we'll get a lot of people be like hey in the middle of your set can i like ask my girlfriend to marry me and i'm in my head i'm like dude don't do that to your girlfriend take her somewhere nice not in the middle of the fucking terror mosh pit so like <laughs> i mean it's their choice to what they're gonna do but I really don't want to facilitate that and just some stuff like that, I guess. Okay. I got a little speed round here to finish this up. Uh, favorite record store. What's a record store? I don't know. It's just some shitty uh, place where people go. Home of the hits, Buffalo, New York. Now I drove by it. It doesn't exist, but that's where I got all my shit from back in the day. Did you ever go to record theater? The one on Main Street, yeah, that, they, you know the one at Main and Main and like yeah. Kensington, uh, Kenmore Avenue. In the Amherst that's where I used to park. That was like the parking spot for all the cabs. When you didn't have oh, a wow. cab, you'd go there, and there'd just be a bunch of cab dudes sitting there waiting for the call. Oh, that's awesome! Um, but not 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 really home of the hits. Okay, favorite food? Like chocolate and peanut butter combined. So we'll say a Reese's peanut butter cup, but yeah. variations. Hell yeah. Favorite Buffalo food. Dude, I it's know, right? scary here, man. I got to watch myself so I don't <laughs> gain like 30 pounds. Like a chicken finger sub, a pizza, just there's too much good food here. Okay. Favorite I'll wing- say a chicken finger sub. Okay. Favorite du- wing spot. Duffs or Anchor Bar, I was going to say. I have to get back to you. I had Anchor Bar since I've been here, but not Duff's. So I'm going with Anchor Bar. They were really good, but okay. we'll see. Personally, I think Duff's kills Anchor Bar. Uh, grape jelly or okay. strawberry jelly? I mean, I'll have to say j- uh, strawberry because my girlfriend bought strawberry jelly today, but I won't have any of it. I don't care. I'll take. <laughs> I'll just take the peanut butter without the jelly. Hell yeah. 
uh, favorite terror record? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. One with the underdogs. Okay. Uh, favorite terror song? <laughs> I know it's hard. Less than zero. Less than zero. Favorite movie? Shawshank. Favorite Redemption. H- favorite H2O record? The first one. Yeah. The, the lyrics on the, I think it's self-titled. The lyrics are so good. Amazing. And last one, favorite hot water music song? I know you're a big fan. Um, dun, dun, dun. I think it's called Threesome. Hold on. This, oh, I can't look on my phone. It's, uh, I think it's called Three Summers. That, that it, It's the song that got me into the band because before that song, it's on Forever and Counting. It's like track eight or nine. I think it's called Three Summers. Okay. It's like really fast and it's like, dun, 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 we were lost. We had a lot. I think it's called Three Summers. But when I first heard Hot Water Music, like uh, some of the members of Buried Alive would play them a lot. And I thought, this is the worst band I ever heard. Mm -hmm. And then that song, I heard that song and it like got me. And now they're like my favorite band. And I just want to say how absolutely incredible it was that you managed to put out so many releases in 2020 during the pandemic. I still need to get the terror (laughs) releases myself, but I got the... uh, Buried Alive, Death Will Find You, 7-Inch, and the World Be Free EP. Both very good. Cool. I want people to go buy them. To, to my uncredit, mm-hmm. some of that stuff was recorded before and it just takes a while to come out. Okay. But Terror, um, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I finished the vocals to those in the pandemic or I think before, but Terror did a lot. We put out a cassette with two covers of zero tolerance and a conviction cover. We yep. put out a seven inch on war records of like some kind of lost songs that we redid some stuff to. I redid vocals to, And we have some stuff that you don't know about that. I know about that's coming soon. So yes, we're waiting for it. <laughs> I've been, we've been pretty busy. And I'd love to hear you guys play some songs off the rhythm of the chaos EP. I hardly anybody mentions that one. It's such a banger. Thank you. I like that for songs called Disconnected or Disconnect or something. Yeah. It's good. That's the thing. We just have so much shit, man. And then we're writing new songs. So eventually Mm -hmm. we'll have another record. And it's just like, ah. So we're thinking. No one needs to hear us play for like two hours. That'll make people crazy. (laughs) Are we thinking like end of the year for the new album? Or not really sure yet? Uh, If I had to give you my best guess, I would Mm -hmm. say September. Awesome. But that could definitely fluctuate. And is there anything else it's, you'd... It's, it's not recorded, so until yeah. it's recorded, then you know maybe four months after that. Is there anything else you'd like to plug? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and where can your fans find you? Do you have like an Instagram handle? On Parkside Avenue in Buffalo, New York. Um <laughs> uh i am finally at whatever at, at i am finally i don't know i am finally on instagram that's i'm not on facebook or perfect tiktok or myspace or any of those other things awesome scott vogel thank you so much for being here we are huge fans of you thank you so much thank you guys for having me have a have a wonderful evening yes take care yeah. enjoy buffalo go bills Amen to that. We're going to win. Bye, guys. See ya. I hope so. Cause I got the fear Fail, fail, I get it